Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris. Today our passage comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Let's read together. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. If you compare stories like this, this closes out Jesus' infancy narrative. If you compare these infancy accounts to the apocryphal gospels, for instance, like the Gospel of Thomas, where in the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus does some weird things, right? Uh, He cleans a pool, miraculously. He brings 12 clay pigeons to life. He strikes dead the son of a scribe who talks back to him, strikes dead a kid that bumps into him, He strikes some people who accuse him of of doing something uh, blind. He confuses his grammar teacher with these mystical teachings. He laughs um, at some blind people who he earlier blinded. He uh, raises a playmate to life who had died uh, after a fall. He heals the foot of a boy who had accidentally chopped his foot with an axe. Uh, when Joseph and him are making a, a, you know, some type of piece of furniture together, Joseph cuts the board too short, and so Jesus lengthens the board out again. And in one particular story, Jesus pulls clothes out of a cauldron for a dyer, uh, you know, someone who dyes clothes. He pulls them out of the uh, cauldron, and they're and they're all the right color that the dyer was trying to turn them into. He turns a bunch of rude children into goats, but then restores them after they've repented. You can see the difference between those type of infancy stories and what we get actually in the canonical Gospels. Uh, One of the reasons infancy Gospel of Thomas is not included, it's just wild, it's crazy, it's out there. That's why it's not included in our New Testament. But you get stories like this about all great leaders of ancient times. And so that's why some people try to say, well, this this is clearly not a true story uh, because, um, you know, uh, 
all famous people had you know, stories about their birth or stories as, as young children, especially at 12 years old. That's what makes this one kind of interesting, too, is um, a lot of political and, and other religious leaders would have stories told about them in their youth. So people try to dismiss this one. The difference is, is that this one isn't crazy. The one we find here in Luke isn't just wild and, and contains some precocious story of Jesus. This is this seems pretty reasonable this makes sense there's actually some weird things about it you know why would jesus not just catch up with his parents uh why did he leave you know there's it kind of leaves this thing of well i think did jesus do the right thing here and because of that kind of doubt that the story could bring it makes sense that it's not just made up but something that's actually true and gives us something to ponder as to the character of, of jesus the story of jesus in the temple bears subtle witness to his two natures, right? The divine and the human. You have the kind of, uh, the all too separation of a child from his parents, which we've maybe all experienced. You get the panic of the parents. And, And then it ends kind of in this mundane Jesus, the son of God, going back and being submissive to his parents. There's this beautiful human nature about the story and then you also have this mysterious spiritual side of the story as well particularly in jesus's response to mary and joseph marshall notes in his commentary that this is not a a just simply precocious story of the boy jesus he's not like found in the temple and you know he's teaching all of these teachers standing up before them showing them truth and um, that's that's more like an ancient Gnostic version and, and not something that's biblical. Rather, he's in the temple and these teachers are uh, asking him questions and he's giving really good answers and they're astounded by his understanding. Uh, a similar story could be told of going over here to our children's ministry building on a Sunday morning and you go and listen to a particular kid who's able to stand up you know at the age of five and go through the 66 books of the Bible and answer questions about the life of Jesus and give you a you know name all the ten plagues and you go through all of these name the judges uh, and, and give you answers that you step back and say, wow, this kid really understands something. You go and ask them, you know, what does the death of Jesus do for us? And this 12-year-old explains to you atonement theory. We would be amazed at his understanding and the answers he's giving us. This is not a precocious story. This is a real story, Jesus showing understanding. We know that in this particular story, Jesus isn't getting up in front of people and giving, you know, the complete knowledge and revelation of everything in the Old Testament. Uh, It's probably uh, safe to say that Jesus at this point did not even have full understanding. That's why as the story closes out in verse 52, it says that he continued to grow. This points back to scripture like Philippians 2 where it says that you know, Jesus really did empty himself when he came to this earth. And, and that's kind of maybe exemplified here in these these verses. The way that this story closes out is significant too if we look at verses 48 through 52. And when Mary and Joseph after three days, so what this could look like is if they've left Jesus 
They go a day's journey. They realize he's gone. They make a day's journey back. And then it might take, you know, another day to find Jesus. That's that's what those three days might entail. It makes sense that the feast is still going on. This, this feast would have lasted uh, seven days. But, um, you know, people coming out of town were only required to stay for two. So maybe they stayed for a couple of days and left and they came back. The feast is still going on. And, and Jesus says, you should have known where I'm going to be. The, the two questions that Jesus follows up with are interesting. To Mary's initial um, accusation, it, it's, a, it's a reproach kind of question. Like, hey, Jesus, you've got some answering. Why are you tormenting us like this? Why did you do this? And this just speaks to the um, the honor system in that in that society. You you do something to bring shame on your mother. Uh, this would have been a much bigger deal at, at, in that time. Uh, you, you shamed me. Why why have you done this? And Jesus responds with two pretty um, interesting questions. Uh, why were you looking for me? You know you you should know where I'm going to be at. And then the second kind of follow-up question, did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? This must is an important word. Jesus uses it uh, 18 times in the book of Luke. And in several times it's used, well, it's used 18 times in the book of Luke. Jesus specifically uses it several times to, to simply denote the things he is supposed to do. So he, uh, he must be in his Father's house. In chapter 4, he must preach the kingdom. In chapter 9, he must undergo great suffering. In chapter 13, he must heal this woman with a disabling spirit. Uh, there's a lot of things that Jesus thinks he, or declares he, he must do. So those are interesting to, to point out. I must be in my father's house is a fine way to read it. But really, the way that the, the grammar set up, it's almost like, there's this big question mark as to what Jesus is saying. So it could be read several different ways. It could be, uh, you must know that I, uh, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? This is New King James. I must be among those who belong to my father. Uh, I must be about the things of my father. What really you get is this big blank. Uh, of of what about the father should you be doing, um, and that's maybe why Mary and Joseph don't know how to respond. They don't understand is what verse fifty says. They don't understand what he's saying to them, but they recognize something interesting is happening here. And this isn't just to be rude. This isn't to be disrespectful. It's not to be disobedient. Immediately after this, he, he goes home with them, and he is submissive to them. That that Again, the grammar is showing that it's just this continuous way of life now. And Mary treasures these things up in her heart, not just this temple incident, but all these things would include everything that's happened the past 12 years. Things are starting to connect, and she's placing in the pieces, and she's treasuring them in her heart, realizing that they're leading to something great. Stories like this are meant to, in ancient times, give you an idea of what the hero is going to look like at the end. It's meant to show you something about their character. And this is showing you Jesus' character. There's this 
desire and activity and mission um, given to him by God. He's doing the things of God, but he is also submissive. He's submissive to earthly authorities in, in, in his mother and his father. Um, it's just, there's this great, unique balance we get in this story. It's pretty incredible. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, as you and I should be doing as well. I pray that you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways this week. Peace and love.